Thanks for tuning in to the Catch My Drift podcast. This is your host, Matt Kelmis, and today joining me on the phone from across the river is Jake Polk of Polk Whitetail Management, and he is quite the avid deer hunter, so I'm excited to have him on here at the heart of the season. We're going to talk some whitetail hunting. Jake, thanks for joining me. I know it's uh, kind of a busy time of year, but I think I caught you at a good time. You, um, you've had a little bit of luck so far this year. Yeah, actually, you caught me at a really good time. Uh, <laughs> it's been a, it's been a pretty good year for us up here. Not gonna lie. Sweet, sweet. Well, that's great. Uh, yeah, I guess let's jump right into it. Um, give us a give the listeners here a rundown of how your season's gone so far. Um, I guess to give us a little context, <laughs> this uh, it, it's. Is the rifle season still going? It is, yeah. Kind of the middle, right in the middle, smack middle of the rifle season. Thanksgiving's coming up in a couple of days here. So, yeah, kind of uh, run us through how your season's been going. Well, not going to lie. I mean, the first month and a, you know, month and a half was kind of a roller coaster ride. Um, but last Monday, the 14th, I ended up seeing a little deal on a buck that we called uh, Cliff. And, I, I guess the coolest part about that is I shot him behind our house on, you know, a tiny 16 acre parcel, um, which just makes it way cooler. Yeah. Um, you know, on a small, small property like that, that still produces some pretty good deer. It's pretty crazy to me. Yeah, um, definitely. He's a, he's a dandy too. Is this uh is it, was he a deer that you'd seen, you'd had pictures of years past and kind of had a little bit of history with? Um, Talked to the neighbor. He doesn't think so. I think it was. I had a uh, pretty cleaned up eight last year um, that I think looks dang near identical. He just put, you know, on a G4 on his left side and had, you know, a kicker on his right G2. I think it was the same deer from last year. It might not be. But, I mean, we watched him all summer, mm-hmm. you know, out in the bean fields. You know, he was – and I bet he was close to half a mile away, which doesn't seem like that far, but he was hitting those beans like crazy all summer. And then he just kind of ventured over to uh, to our property. You know, I had some monster buck clover plots out there. I had some monster buck annuals and corn. Um, so I'd like to think that that kind of draw, you know, drew him into our property. Yeah, definitely. When uh, When did they take the beans off behind your place? early it was super early this year i know it was i want to say it was like middle of middle of october sometime i mean they took them off before like the good you know the good start of the season started you know the rotten seeking and chasing phase on sure which kind of sucks because you know i like being able to look over you know some sort of crop fields to our south but that's okay yeah yeah so I guess um, you, you said you shot him right behind your house. You and is that uh, that little parcel of land that you live on there? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Sweet. So how far from your from your back door is your tree stand? Um. Well, as, as this property sits, you know, our driveway isn't super long. We're we're pretty close to the road. Okay. Um. I mean, I was sitting. I would say maybe maybe 170 yards. Nice. From where I sit in that in that tree stand, 
I can see everyone that drives in. I can see everything going on in the house, so it's kind of crazy. <laughs> Watch the Packers game from your stand? <laughs> yeah, definitely not the Vikings. Sorry. Yeah, that's all right, man. We'll have to, uh, I guess, uh, agree to disagree on, the, on, our, on our fan base here, but that's all right, yeah, we man. Won't, we won't talk about that tonight. Sounds good. <laughs> Well, sweet me, I, I you know it really doesn't take a whole lot of land if you got the right land. Um, just in you know, it, it, just in my in my backyard, I only have about an acre and a third of land. Um, I kind of live in a little subdivision, mm-hmm. um, but it's all giant woods behind there. And uh, one of the first thing that, first things I did when I moved in here was dug a big blue plastic water barrel up there. Yeah. Um, there's not really much water around for them, um, so. Right away, I was getting some pretty good pictures of some nice deer and just coming into that water to drink. If you can, you know, like I said, you don't really need that much that much land if, as long as they got something to come there for, whether it be, you know, bedding for does or water, food, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, there's no matter, like you said, no matter the size of property, there's a lot that, you know, a guy can do you know, to enhance your chances of, you know, not only getting deer on there and staying on there, but, you know, having the opportunity to, you know, shoot a pretty good buck, you know. Yep. Yep. So I guess that being said, you shot him, uh, just talking a little before we started recording, you shot him just, uh, just pretty recently, correct? Yeah. So Monday the 14th, I believe. Okay. So is that, um, was in, in your area, I guess it's a little further north of where, where I live. Were they still, was the rut kind of still going on? Was he chasing? What was he doing? How was he acting? Um, actually, he, so the whole day as a whole was kind of crazy. Um, I wasn't even supposed to go out hunt, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go out and hunt. I Behind the house has been kind of dead lately. Um, okay. I only run one camera back there, so I'm sure them deer are just moving around it or, you know, just not getting on camera as much, which is cool. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, I got home at, shoot, probably noon, went back there. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go check this camera, see if anything's happening. And that morning I had a video of Cliff heading west at, like, 9.15. So I'm like, well, I'll go out there. So I got set up at 1.30 in the afternoon and kind of got aggressive. I did a grunt rattle sequence, and 20 minutes later he was at 20 yards. Oh, really? That's um, cool. Yeah, I mean, he came in at it's so thick back there. It's deceiving, you know, looking at an aerial map or even looking at kind of our backyard or our backside of our property from the road. It's like, man, they're, it's a lot thicker than what people think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I couldn't see him walk in until he got to 20 yards. And then three seconds later, he was at 10 yards and I, you know, drilled him and wow, the rest is history. So he was just coming in to check out what was going on, what all the ruckus was about, huh? Absolutely. I mean, I sat for a total of, I think by the time I got up there, settled in, and by the time I went and checked that arrow, it was like 42 minutes. Okay. Dang. Hot and hot and fast. <laughs> I mean, I would I would prefer to do that every set, right. you know, every year, but it doesn't always happen that way. That's right. Yeah, I don't, I you know, I maybe have rattled in one or two deer. It, I don't know. I don't, it, it really doesn't work. Um, I, I think in our area that I hunt, especially there's a lot of does and I think that, that, uh, that has something to do with it. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, they're not going to leave, leave a doe to come find, you know, come check out a fight. So, well, especially, I mean, if you guys are, 
you know, overpopulated on does, how far do them bucks actually have to travel to find, you know, a hot doe? Yep. Not far. They don't have to travel far at all. Exactly. Yep. Well, that's sweet, man. And, um, it sounds like your mom shot a pretty nice deer too. Yeah. She shot her biggest and it would have been five days later opening of gun. Okay. I would say probably, he's probably 140 inch eight, but he's a dandy. That's for sure. Her biggest by far. Yeah, that's a that's no slacker of an A pointer, that's for sure. No. So now was that uh was that on a farm that you also manage as well or Yep, so that was our fifty five acre farm. Okay. And we had him on camera pretty consistently last year. Um and then I wouldn't say he necessarily blew up, but he got noticeably bigger. Um and we I mean we had him all over the farm pretty consistently this year too and i actually had him it's like a week prior um i had him at 64 yards with the bow um i mean obviously i would have shot him he's a hell of an eight pointer but yeah just didn't have the opportunity and it worked out for my mom at least sweet sweet that's awesome yeah uh that's yeah nice eight pointer for sure was Mm -hmm. and what was I guess that's uh, you said opener of opener of gun. What was what was that rut activity like that day? Um, kind of. Uh, I mean, up by us, they're still kind of. Seems like they're still kind of cruising a little bit. Okay. Um, I'm sure any time they'll be, you know, locked down, pretty good. But they're still. We still got bucks on camera cruising a little bit. Okay, sweet. That's good. Cool, man. Um, I guess w- when. You, you kind of, I, just from talking to you earlier, you, you kind of hunt season, you know, season long, you know, whether it be from, from opener all the way to the bitter end, what, um, mm-hmm. where are you sitting this, this type of year or this time of year compared to earlier in the year? How, how does, how do your, how do your stand locations change throughout the year? I mean, as far as gun hunting, we kind of, we kind of just sit some box stands. Um, you know, Hannah and I have our own box stand. My dad has his own. And then my mom has her own. Um, so as far as gun hunting, we just, we like to stay warm. Yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's, it gets bitter cold. Sometimes, oh, it's sometimes super miserable. So, I mean, we're sitting <laughs> in there nice and toasty and, you know, you know, then that's, that's the nice thing about, you know, being able to rifle hunt is if you, if you make long enough shooting lanes, I mean, and, and you're staying warm and you're able to shoot out you know, across some bedding areas or onto some food sources. And that's that's kind of what gun hunting is for a lot of people up here. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, as far as bow hunting, it varies. I mean, we play the wind super crazy. I mean, we're constantly checking three, four times a day before we're even going out just to make sure that nothing changed. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I wouldn't say specific spots. I would just say what – what stand locations are best for, you know, that certain wind direction for that day? Okay. Gotcha. What apps do you use to check wind with? Um, we use a lot of Google. I use, uh, for my, at least for my whitetail management stuff, I use hunt stand. Okay. And that, that's normally pretty accurate on wind directions as well and temperature. Gotcha. I use, um, I think it's called weather underground. It seems to be pretty accurate to at least, you know, historically um seems to be pretty accurate and it'll kind of give you an hour by hour wind direction and speed and um if you go on your desktop it'll actually even give you like cloud cover barometric pressure 
mm-hmm. dew point humidity kind of go through it all by hour which i i think is pretty pretty handy i haven't used hunt stand myself but from what i hear it's kind of similar yep and yeah i've you know just googling at work because i don't I don't get my cell phone at work, so I kind of have to use a Google machine. Yeah, I go on Weather Underground at work or just the Weather Channel in general, and they all seem to kind of be something you know somewhat accurate against each other. Yep, yep. So, not too much longer. The end of this weekend, rifle season will wrap up, and then mm-hmm. do you guys have uh, have a muzzleloader season? Yeah, I believe it's another nine day. Okay, I could be wrong on that. Yeah, we do have a muzzleloader, but. I, honestly, I haven't even been out gun hunting yet, but I figured, you know what, I'll let Hannah and the rest of them go. I just shot a nice buck a week ago, so yep, yep. Yeah, that, not in any any hurry to go shoot another giant. That's right. Yeah, I would you, love to. When you, it's kind of like fishing. You know, when you catch a giant fish, you're kind of rest of the day, you're just kind of satisfied with that. You don't really have to absolutely <laughs> keep after it. Keep after it. Yeah, I'll grab I'll grab the net and I'll help drag out a deer, whatever you need. <laughs> just call me. <laughs> exactly. So, um, I guess your wife, where are you putting her late season? What, uh, are, are you hunting similar, you know, food locations to bedding or just kind of still playing the wind or how does it differ from, you know, rifle season if you're using your muzzleloader? Since it's a little later than actual gun and, you know, a majority of the rut activity is kind of, you know, kind of haltered a little bit. We'll we'll go sit over some food sources, especially you know, it's getting a lot colder, you know, our monster buck turnips and our monster buck, you know, radishes, the deer are going to be hammering them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once, once them, uh, sugars kind of, you know, come out and the deer are loving them, um, we'll go hunt over all those. Um, and I mean, we've had good success and at least seeing a bunch of deer and having some nice bucks step out, but, um, but yeah, I mean, Majority of what we do late season is going to be still playing the wind, you know, having our wind blow away from the bedding areas and the food sources at least. Okay. So it kind of sounds like food is the name of the game. For late season up here, for sure. Yeah. Because, I mean, most if not, I mean, there's a few standing cornfields left, but from what I remember, I don't think there's any near us. So, I mean, our annual plots are our key right now a lot of people up here don't do a whole lot of food plotting you know it's a lot of farmland up here um kind of the old time farmers really want to get the crops in they don't leave any standing you know got to harvest everything that you plant so these annual food plots that we got are you know our main key for late season hunting sure sure yeah with all the with all the other food gone and you're still available i would assume that's a pretty big draw absolutely yep so will you guys shoot some does uh, later on, or do you kind of focus on shooting does early? Honestly, with the farms that we have, um, and I, I'm, I'll kind of get on it more a little later, is, you know, when we started, we our deer numbers were pretty brutal. Okay. Um, we have, honestly, we haven't shot any does just because we wanted the, the deer numbers to get up. Eventually, when they get up too high, we'll start taking some out. You okay. know, that whole idea of, you know, make them bucks actually have to work to find a hot doe, you know, instead of being overpopulated. But we're not quite at that level yet, but I would imagine in a few years we're going to start taking some does out. Okay, sweet. So, yeah, I guess talk, uh, you just alluded to it a little bit here, just in uh, 
just a few seconds ago. Talk a little bit about polk whitetail management. Yeah, so I mean, I'll, I'll just start off by kind of saying our model. You know, what we do is we provide whitetail management strategies that last a lifetime. And, you know, that it's kind of a broad statement, but I shouldn't say broad statement, but it's a broad idea on kind of what we do. You know, we, we do a little bit of everything as far as providing a management plan, you know, going over the biggest thing is going over landowner goals. You know, your goals could be totally different from the guy down the street. Sure. You know, your goals could be, you know, I want to shoot the biggest buck in the neighborhood. The next guy could have, you know, four or five grandkids where all he wants to do is just sit up in a box stand and see deer. Yeah. You know, it, it, it honestly varies um, by landowner. Um, what we do is, you know, we'll, we're a whitetail management consultation company. Um, we'll come in. Um, we got a whole system of kind of how we do it. We'll uh, sit down with the landowner, um, kind of go over a questionnaire, um, go over your goals, um, what you had in mind, kind of kind of do a, a big buck history on your property if you have any. Mm-hmm. Um, most guys have, you know, one or two. I've seen guys that have absolutely nothing. Where the biggest buck is a fork or a six. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll kind of, you know, we'll walk the entire property with the landowner or group of hunters, whoever's out there and wants to walk. Um, and yeah, I mean, we'll just consult the entire time that, you know, we're walking the land, you know, kind of go over ideas, bounce ideas off them. Um, and then I kind of get down to the nitty gritty of, you know, writing these management plans based off everything that we talked about, you know, in, kind of our sit-down discussion and our property walkthrough. Okay. Um, a majority, I would say on average, you know, a management plan that is, you know, completely unique to your property um, is probably 15, 16 pages of information. Wow. So, I mean, and like I, and I, I stress on the whole unique part about your property. I, not dissing on anyone else who does this but i've seen a couple different management plans you know there's magazine articles in there and it's just sometimes them articles like that don't pertain to you know certain properties so we try to make it you know completely unique to your property okay so yeah one thing you were talking about is um you a client of yours may not have a history maybe maybe this guy just bought or guy or gal family, whoever, or a group of buddies, whoever it may be, you know, all have an interest in hunting and want to shoot some deer. And maybe they just bought a farm and, you know, they don't have any, have any history. So I'm sure that, uh, your consultation, um, you know, could be very beneficial to that too. Just be, you know, being new farm owners and new property owners too. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes one of the biggest things is, People sometimes just don't know, you know, where do we hang these stands? You know, a lot of people don't understand the whole wind direction idea. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you want your, you know, especially for an evening hunt, you want your wind to be blowing, you know, away from the bedding, right? Because that's where the deer are going to be coming from. Um, there's just, you know, to, to an avid hunter, that all makes sense. And it's probably like, yeah, that's old news. But <laughs> to a lot of these landowners, you know, it's it's kind of a new thing, you know, where... You know, and that's kind of where we come in. It's like we want to help them to have phenomenal hunting, you know, like we do. 
and you know to keep you know, if they have kids to keep them interested in doing it and you know maybe off off the video games and having them outside you know hooking them on the outdoors sure so if you let's just say if um you know somebody that you that that reaches out to you um, mm-hmm. If they, you know, they say, I got this farm A and farm B and farm C that I'm interested in, um, what would be some things that you would encourage them to look for in, in one of the farms that, that, you know, maybe that would benefit, you know, maybe that farm B would be more an appealing as opposed to farm C or A? Um, honestly, I would, I would probably say property diversity. Um, you know, let's say farm A is... 40 acres of nothing but woods um, that's surrounded by, you know, nothing but woods. But farm B is 40 acres that's surrounded by, you know, complete funnels of bigger properties, you know, 40 acres away going into theirs. And then they have, you know, some crop fields and, you know, mixed in. Um, Honestly, uh, the diversity of land or hunting property is huge or can be huge. Um, like for example, our 55 acres, I believe, um, we have 13 acres of crop field kind of directly in the middle running east to west. Um, and to us, that's huge. You can play multiple different wind directions. Um, you can access exit different locations at different times of the day. Um, yeah, I mean, diversity on property is absolutely the real deal. Gotcha. Okay, cool. And, I, you know, you just talked about that, too, a little bit, too, is, um, you know, wind direction. You know, what, what is the prevailing wind going to be like in that, in that, on that specific farm, too? I think that has a lot to do with it, too, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of access. Um, you know, are you going to be blowing out the bedding cover on your right. walk-in? If you do, you may not see anything. So, yeah, I think, yeah, that's all good stuff, man. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people don't understand that. You know, if you're if you're accessing, you know, a, a certain let's say your favorite stand location, but it's the wrong wind, man, you can ruin your hunt before you even get to your stand. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's what sure. we're trying to avoid. You know, and we we've done we've done management plans where, you know, guys will walk directly through bedding to get to a you know a stand location. It's like, well, why don't you use this east road, you know, and cut on the south side of your field? And I mean, it's a longer walk, but you know, you're you're already benefiting your hunting success by maybe getting a little more exercise. You know, definitely, definitely. So I guess that being um, that being said, so we found Farm B. You know, it's a good farm. We're, we like it. It's got a bunch of diverse stuff. What uh, what are some of the first steps you do in evaluating that property? Um. Well, a, a perfect example is. Um, I did a management plan for a guy in Minnesota and the previous landowner put so much pressure on his land. I mean, we, we often see that, you know, most of these guys, whether it's previous owners or they've owned it for a couple of years, you know, they almost treat it as a recreational piece of land, which is fine. Um, but it, sometimes it's hard to have, you know, the best of both worlds like that, you know, recreational and hunting. I mean, some of these guys will have, you know, interstate wide trails for, you know, four wheelers and dirt bike tracks and stuff like that. And that's the first thing I kind of look at is, you know, how much pressure was on this property, how much pressure, 
you know, are you guys putting on this property? Okay. There's ways to eliminate that. And that's kind of one of the first things, you know, I don't, like we kind of talked about before, I don't want them to, you know, be ruining their chances of having some nice deer, you know, on their property by constantly applying that pressure of driving four wheelers, stuff like that. Okay. So just taking a look at pressure and seeing, you know, where the previous landowner had hit the hardest. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, we've seen it. We seen it on our 55 acre farm. I mean, he had, when we hunt, we kind of hunt the edges. We don't necessarily go into <clears throat> the bedding areas. I mean, we'll get a little more aggressive during the rut, you know, get closer to the bedding areas. But I mean, the previous owner on our 55, I mean, he had tree stands directly in the middle and it just, like, you know, we're going to move these, you know, on the edges a little bit more so we're not so intrusive. Mm-hmm. And it's paid off. That's good. Yeah, you definitely don't want to blow all that out when, mm-hmm. you're, when you're walking in there, definitely. So access, pressure, any other any other things you take and get into consideration? So and I failed to mention this before. So even before, let's say, you know, you're interested in hiring – you know, poke white toe management, you know, one of the first things I like to do is get an aerial map of your actual property before I come and sit down and walk it. Um, from an aerial map, you can, you can tell right away, you know, how much, uh, how much diversity a land has or how much potential, um, you know, such as food plot locations. I mean, you can tell, you know, where you want your wind to be blowing, um, on a lot of properties. Um, so, I mean, that's that's kind of one of the first things, too, is, you know, looking at an aerial map and just kind of kind of studying it before. Um, it help, it's helped me a lot on a couple different farms. Okay. Because, um, I mean, you can look at, you know, topography and all that stuff as well. You know, water sources, is there a creek or a river running through it? You know, you can tell a lot before you even walk there. Mm-hmm. And I suppose, too, you know, looking at topography, you can tell pinch points and, mm-hmm. you know, little plateaus they might bet on, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, you can tell, you can tell everything. Funnels, you know, saddles, if you, you're, you know, like you guys down there, you're in pretty bluff, pretty <laughs> bluffy country. It is, yeah. Lots of, <laughs> lots of rolling hills. And, yeah, you can travel for miles and miles and you'll never run out of them. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You can, I mean, you can tell a lot from an aerial map before you even step foot in the dirt. Okay. Sweet. So if once you gather all that information, do all your data collection, what, uh, where do you start from there? I guess you're, you know, you're talking a lot about um, creating a management program, but what does, uh, mm-hmm. what does that look like? Um, so how I like to start is I call them, um, property deer benefits or PDBs. Um, and, and that's basically the natural advantages your property already has for not only, you know, whoever's hunting, but for your deer as well. And I mean, that could range from, you know, thick bedding areas, uh, cover and sanctuaries to, you know, having a trail system where you can access, you know, different locations of your property quietly without having to, you know, step on twigs, branches, leaves, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, access exit points is huge as we kind of, you know, discussed in the swim directions. Um, do you have crop fields, um, on your property? If not, are there areas where, you know, you could potentially create, <clears throat> even if you create, you know, micro plots or kill plots, it'd be huge 
adding adding any type of food, you know, to a property that has never had it will go a long way. It might not happen overnight, but you know, they'll eventually find it and it'll be a hot spot. Okay. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's how I like to start. Give them a little bit of information regarding what their property already offers, you know, cause not going to lie. I've done a couple management plans for, uh, some guys from the cities, Minnesota. And they, I mean, they are not clueless, but <laughs> any, any bit of information that you give them regarding their actual property is huge for them. Cause then they kind of, it's kind of starts clicking for them, you know? Sure. They sure. kind of start understanding like, Hey, this is a bedding area. We should probably stay out of there, you know, and not get our scent all in there. Gotcha. So do you, do you ever have anybody that contacts you and, you know, say, they say, yeah, we're interested in, you know, having you work for us. Um, why don't you come out and you, you get out to their property and you're like, holy smokes, I don't think I need to do anything here. <laughs> Does that ever happen? Um, yeah, kind of. I did one <laughs> and, uh, um, I had the opportunity to, uh, kind of work with Whitetail Properties and, a guy brought me down to a Buffalo County 300 acre farm. And I mean, just walking it, it's like, man, it is so thick in here. You know, you got pine trees for thermal cover for winter bedding. You have all these hidden crop fields. Well, they weren't even crop fields, but if you turn them into, you know, corn bean rotation and then mix in maybe, you know, a perennial and an annual in there somewhere, that's all it takes. I mean, there's some properties where, you know, you you don't need to hardly do any work. Sure. But those ones are also fun. Yeah, I can I can imagine. Yeah, it'd be it'd be fun seeing a property like that. I mean, I'm sure they're out there, but you know, there's I'm sure a lot of properties that you know people you know farmers use them for farming, and that's that's about it. But then you know, that's about it when grandpa dies and it's time for the time to split up the farm. It's uh, there's some farms that need a little bit of work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's that one in Buffalo County. I'll just use that as, a, as an example again. I mean, just a little bit of sweat equity in that place, you could have an absolute honey hole. I mean, there was a river running right through the middle of it. It was access points from like four different sides of the property. It was, I mean, it was a jaw dropper of a, of a parcel. That's for sure. Sweet. So, if let's say you, you know, somebody contacts you and says, we want you to work with us. What do you do if there's not any bend, any bedding for deer? Do you, do you try to create it with some timber stand improvement or do you find, you know, maybe that, you know, look at neighboring properties and find, Hey, maybe there's some over here and use that to your advantage. Or what do you do? I guess in that scenario, if it's, yeah, you know, there's just bought a property and it's mostly all ag, I guess, what do you do then? You know, there's a lot of, a lot of different things. I shouldn't say a lot. There are some things you can do, like you said, timber stand improvement, you know, whether you're, you know, I know there's the method of like the hack and squirt method now and, you know, uh, hinge cutting. Mm-hmm. Um, I got, I mean, if you're strictly, you know, 80% egg, I mean, there's, there's so much out there for, you know, bedding grasses that a guy can plant. Um, I know like real world, uh, they sell that miscanthus. Oh, sure. It acts as like a screening, but it, it's just 
super thick in there. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's different, different methods. I mean, there's, so in my management plan, there's a section in there that I <clears throat> kind of write out a uh, short, short term, uh, short term property improvements and then long term property improvements. <laughs> so, I mean, like to me, hinge cutting would be, you know, a short term property improvement where you hinge cut during the winter. Um, basically that next spring, summer, you're going to have buds, you know, growing out that the deer will browse on, but it also creates a bedding area almost instantly. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to have, you know, long-term improvements, um, such as we love planting white pines. They grow, you know, once they establish, they grow, you know, anywhere from 12 to 18 inches a year. Okay. It takes a few years, takes a few years, but you know, once five, six years down the road, them, I think we planted, I think we planted like 1,500 on our 55 acre. Wow. And I mean, some of them are, you know, I'm six, seven. So some of them are over my head already. So, I mean, they're growing like crazy. So, I mean, another two, three, four years, those areas are going to be super thick. Mm-hmm. I'm sure um, it's already yeah, I mean, that's, thick in there already. Yeah, it's definitely getting thicker. That's for sure. And, you know, it's just part of kind of what we do or what we have had success doing, um, you know, that allows deer to, you know, feel safe and secure and want to, you know, utilize and stay on our property. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I think a lot of, you know, a lot of shooting, you know, if, if big bucks is your, is your goal, I think a lot of shooting big bucks, you know, what it has to do is retention. What can you do to, like you just said, what can you do to keep those deer on your property? And if you can do mm-hmm. that, you know, that two and a half year old that you're seeing every year and got a hundred pictures of, if you can keep him on your farm for another three years, I mean, he's going to blow up into a giant someday, right? Absolutely. I mean, we, the best example for a buck that we, you know, have watched for, I think it's been for sure three years, if not four, um, we named him Philly. He was as a two and a half year old, he was a six, I mean, a 17 and six pointer, Wow. um, brow tines and just, he looked like a mule deer <laughs> and we, I was after him, uh, quite a bit this year. Um, he ended up getting shot by, um, an Amish guy just Northeast of, uh, the North farm we hunt. Um, and he was, and he's a big six. He stayed a six, but just got heavier and heavier and heavier each year. Um, I actually have a shed of his last year and he dang near had, you know, pop can bases already. So, I mean, he, he just stayed a six and just stuck around. So, I mean, there's, there's ways that you can keep these bucks on your property. That's for dang sure. Okay. What would some of those ways be? Up in our area, I think especially, you know, you know, having a good source of late season food is huge. Okay. You know, for us up here, we, we haven't been able to use minerals or, you know, I, I know a lot of guys do corn or, um, you know, protein pellets in the winter, which is great, but we, we haven't been able to since it's been three years now, which I know a lot of guys, you know, feed and deer stay around, but we, you know, it was illegal for us, so we never did it. Yep. Um, so we, you know, relied heavily on our, you know, late season food. Yep. 
Yeah, it's a, it's been the same story for us down here. I, I think it was probably three or four years ago. Ever since CWD kind of started to skyrocket, um, mm-hmm. you know, they put the kibosh on, you know, you know, what, whether it be feeding them, baiting, you know, obviously you can't ever bait them, but feeding them in the winter, uh, mineral, mm-hmm. any type of, any type of, uh, attractant, anything that'll kind of yep. get them to kind of group up. You're not allowed to do anymore, but food plots, uh, you still can, you still can plant food for deer. So, <laughs> so we definitely, That's huge. yeah, definitely still do that. And we found the same thing, you know, on the farm, the property that I hunt, um, you know, once all the once all the farmers on neighboring properties take all their crops off, if they don't have food plots or anything from for them to eat on neighboring properties, it's like a magnet. I mean, mm-hmm. just hunting, you know, muzzleloader season. Some days, I mean, gosh, you see forty five. One day I counted, I've counted seventy three different deer. This was probably three or four years ago, but all just coming to corn that we had planted for them. And it's uh, yeah, if you can get a food good quality food source for them late in the season like that you'll i mean you'll draw deer from you know a miles long, a long ways away just to that food mm-hmm. source and, and that being said maybe you'll maybe you'll draw some somebody that says hey you know it's pretty nice around here i might stick around for you know for a little while longer so. without a doubt i mean we've seen that with you know bucks that we've never seen during the summer they'll show up during the rut and then they'll just stick around because we got the food yeah. which is awesome. You know, I would much rather have, you know, those bucks show up, you know, early, middle October and then stick around versus having them all summer and then just disappear. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, better time of year to have them on your farm, that's for sure. <laughs> and, you know, with the late season food sources like that, we we love shed hunting. So that's kind of another reason why yep. we like planting, you know, so much food is, you know, it's it's a blast picking up up them sheds it is i i get a kick out of it too it's fun fun for the mm-hmm. whole family too i mean you know it's usually usually you go out on nice days where it's you know you get a little break in the cold weather from winter and you get the cousins out there and your you know younger younger relatives and heck even your wife will join you sometimes and yeah it's fun oh, time. Absolutely. get the dog out get them some exercise burn off some cabin fever it's fun <laughs> right well cool so Talking, you know, you you talked a little bit about management plans, enhancing properties. How has uh, how has the work that you've done on your own property led to success? Whether it be the fifty five acres that you hunt with your with your folks, or whether it be um, just that even that little sixteen acre parcel you got right behind your house. Um. So the sixteen acre one, we we bought this house in December of nineteen. So okay. I mean we. I think I sat behind the house like one or two times and it was so dang cold and so much snow. I was like, this is, I'll just wait. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I put in the first year I put in, it might've been an eighth acre annual plot. And I had three bucks that were probably 145 or bigger, nice. um, back there right away. Um, so I mean, like I kind of mentioned before a little bit, you know, it sometimes it does not take a lot, you know, to, to enhance the property. You just have to, you have to strategize, you know, um, where you're planting the food, where, you know, where the deer are going to be bedding, kind of stuff like that. You kind of got to be smart about it. You can't just plant a food plot anywhere. Um, like I said, there's a lot of strategy behind it. But, I mean, going back to 16 acres, I think 
you know, just by giving them a late season food source, um, now I have, you know, half acre of, you know, an annual plot uh, monster buck uh, brassica mix, and then that's kind of surrounded by um, some corn. Um, and then east of there a little bit, I have what's now a quarter acre clover plot. And, I mean, we had, I think the last time I counted, I kind of stopped. We had 21 different bucks on 16 acres. Wow. So, I mean, it's, and that's the biggest thing, you know, from where we can access, I don't hunt this with barely any north winds because I can't. Okay. You know, it's it's strictly once I get a south wind, I'm going and sitting back there because that's essentially the only wind that I can hunt, you know, behind the house with. Okay. So, I mean, there, <laughs> I'll run into a lot of times where, you know, a guy will have, let's say, 100 acres and he's got two stand locations. And he has his favorite stand locations, but he hunts it every night, no matter the wind. Well, he's, how many deer is he blowing out of that area? You know, by applying that, like I said, pressure and, you know, getting his scent in the same spot literally every night, four or five times a week. Um, he, he's kind of ruining the property's potential a little bit. Yep. Yep. Gotcha. So, you know, you talked a little bit about talking, talking when you when a, a landowner first contacts you, you know you sit down with them and kind of talk about what their goals are. But what uh, you know as a as a whitetail manager or consultant, what does success look like to you? Um, it varies. I mean, like I said, you know, you know, I mentioned the goals. You know, to me, there's three goals. You know, see more deer see more bucks, shoot bigger bucks. Everyone and their brother wants to shoot bigger bucks, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> um, so that's, I mean, that's that's the main goal that we go off of. Some people just want to see more deer. Mm-hmm. I mean, they want to, have, you know, have us plant a food platform in the backyard just to have deer come up to the deck. That's cool. We'll do it. Um, but a majority, I would say 98% of the people that I've done this for, you know, want to shoot bigger bucks. Um, success to me, um, this year was a perfect example. Um, I believe he's the yeah, freshman in high school, shot his biggest buck this year. Um, and I guess just seeing him, you know, his dad send that picture of him smiling, holding his biggest buck to me, that's amazing. Um, it, you know, especially, you know, their property has unbelievable potential. The first year we did a management plan for him, they had a, I don't even know what he scored. He's well over 170 inch typical 10 um show up on camera and what they were kind of you know relaying to us is that you know they don't have a lot of bucks on camera you know and they're seeing crazy amount of bucks you know last year and this year and now they're finally getting um you know some absolute giants showing up which is awesome but i mean his freshman high school you know son shot his biggest buck to me that's that's amazing because now he's hooked and now he's going to want to shoot an even bigger buck. Yep. Um, a couple other guys, you know, one guy shot a, I think he would have been probably in the 150s inch 10. He was busted off a little bit. Um, another guy shot a, you know, both split G2s, um, 12-pointer this year. So, I mean, just having them guys, you know, text me those pictures and saying, you know, appreciate all your help, you know, work wonders, that's, that's success to me. Nice. Yeah, that's that's got to be pretty rewarding, helping those mm-hmm. guys out, and yeah, maybe they don't have much 
haven't uh you know had anybody that kind of show them the ropes and maybe you're the dude that's cool right sweet man well i guess if, if anybody wants to get a hold of you where do they do it how do they you know give you reach out to you take a look at any pictures or whatever how do they get a hold of you so right now it's you know i'm mainly running off you know facebook instagram stuff like that i am working on or will work on an absolute uh, actual website um in the future sweet um but i mean right now social media is kind of the hot thing um so yeah facebook folk white management um i believe instagram is just my personal page but that works too sweet sweet you got any plans to get out in the in the near future for any deer or you still got any running around that got you got your eyes set on um not too much i'm i'm kind of mainly focused kind of the end of the week here maybe do a little thanksgiving hunt and then maybe take my four-year-old out friday night uh i'm gonna take my wife hannah out thursday for thanksgiving see if she can put the smack down on a stud or two you know nice nice yeah i finally finally got a little time off work and i'm gonna go back to my in-laws in-laws back to her her family farm and i got three days to hunt back there so hopefully i, I have i know that area pretty dang good yeah yeah it's a it's a it's an interesting interesting uh piece of area i guess of the state i it's different than what i a lot different than what i hunt out here it's you know around mm-hmm. here we don't really have too many marshes aside aside from in the river and a lot of guys do hunt the river bottoms and islands and stuff like that but yeah out there it's a lot of marshy land that's for sure absolutely i mean we before we moved up here we had 40 acres and you know in that same area and you know that was another property that i always talk about is diverse you know there was a couple oak islands you know a little bit of field edge um but i mean a majority i'd say 85 percent of it was you know a red brush marsh mm-hmm. i mean there were giants in there but nothing like nothing like up north here <laughs> we've had we've had some real big deer i mean the the biggest one we've watched so far was all summer. We called him Lifetime. He actually just got shot gun hunting opening day, I believe. Okay. And he's he's a mainframe uh, seven by seven, but he's got split three on his left side and a kicker on the same side off his base. And I bet he goes mid one eighties. Wow. Yeah, that's a stud for sure. Yeah. So like anybody listening who uh, who doesn't whitetail hunt, what why why do you name all these deer and how do you come up with them? I mean, uh, us naming deer it just allows you know if if it's me and my dad out there bow hunting, you know it's just way easier than saying hey that nice chocolate ate just walked by me. It's like well which one you know <laughs> if if we name them we're able to you know kind of tell the difference on what you know what deer we're talking about or what deer we shot yeah like when i when i shot cliff that's the first thing i said to my dad i'm like i I just shot cliff of course he didn't believe me he thought i was messing with him but uh you know he knew exactly (laughs) what buck right away yeah and how and i mean it's it's fun how'd you come up with the name cliff i don't know it's kind (laughs) of like naming your dog just human names right right yeah yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, we. I mean, we do the same thing too. I and a lot of, a lot of Western guys, you know, they don't get it. I mean, we whitetail guys, we got names for our deer, and and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, whether it be, I mean, we've had some pretty wild names out there, 
you know, wow. picket fence, G money. I mean, just a, just a few, you know, smoke. My uncle shot a giant, you know, this year he named smoke. But yeah, it, they're all for all for good reason. <laughs> it's it's fun though. You're right. It is fun. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, we got some we got some goofy names too. I mean, we got Gump, obviously Cliff, Diffy. I mean, we got Wide Clyde. I mean, we got a ton of names. But yeah. I mean, you know, especially for you know, trail cam inventory, you know, I can, um, you know, set up different folders for each deer and, you know, just kind of separate them that way and just look at, you know, if I want to look at lifetime pictures or send them to buddies, you know, I can just go into a lifetime folder, you know, and all his pictures are right there. Yep. Yep. Probably makes it easier to organize throughout the years too. You know, if you have history Mm -hmm. with one and he's coming back, you find his sheds, uh, all that kind yep. of stuff. It's probably easier, you know, throughout the years to do it that way too. So makes sense. Absolutely. Yep. Well, sweet man. Well, one thing I I like it to ask all my guests is, can you tell me about a time when you were outdoors when time was standing still? There's been a few times. Um, on our 55, I think it was our third year of owning it. You know, we we're starting to kind of kind of get some uh, really good bucks to show up. And uh, there was one that we called Blade, and he was a mainframe eight. I mean, he was absolutely giant. Um, kind of had a turkey foot, you know, for a brow tine on the one side, and probably, I mean, that side was probably 11-inch brow tine. Um, wow. He came out at like 62 to 65 yards one night. And uh, kind of circled downwind for me at 50 yards. Um, that entire time I, you know, got to watch them, it just, I felt almost numb. It's like, you know, when you see a buck like that, you think guys immediately just start shaking, get buck fever. But it's like my body couldn't even think about shaking at that time. It was just <laughs> like I was floating. But he ended up coming in at like 15 yards. But I just could not get it. He was in kind of a thicket on our north side of our 55 i just could not get an arrow through anything in there but he ended up getting shot by a 14 year old neighbor girl and he scored 165 so wow he was a tank that is a tank yeah anytime you see something like that it yeah like you said you just kind of go numb and definitely freeze yep mm-hmm. wow yeah, that's a cool example man yeah and i mean even even this year shooting cliff you know, it, it happened so fast where I just, I didn't have time to react. The only reaction I have was grab my bow and, I mean, I had five seconds to draw back and, you know, bleed at him to stop and it was over, yeah. you know, I mean, but I mean that five to 10 seconds, however long I actually, you know, seen him on the hoof, it was, it felt like 10 minutes, yeah. you know, cause everything was just almost frozen in a way. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the coolest part, man, of being outside like that. It and it you know, it even doesn't take a, a giant 165 incher. It can take you know, if something gets you excited, it can it can it, it only has to be 130 inches. You know, that's that's the cool part about it. Heck, it could be a spike chasing a doe, and <laughs> yeah. I still get excited. That's right. That's right. Well, sweet man, we're uh, we're just getting kind of towards the end of it here. One of my last things, and I didn't tell you about it, it's my this or that section. Surprise mm-hmm. segment. It's a series of ten questions, two different options. I'll uh, I'll rattle them off if you're game, and we'll uh, we'll ride it out from there. Sound good? Absolutely. Sweet man. All right. Well, we'll get started. Question number one: Turnips or clover? Turnips. 
All right. Do you shoot a mechanical or a fixed blade broadhead? Fixed. All righty. Now you shoot a big old buck. Do you get a European mount or a shoulder mount? Shoulder mount. All right. That's it. Actually, my dad, mine and my dad's rule. Every buck, uh, every buck we shoot, we got a shoulder mount. That's a good. Re- but he 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 got a free pass this year on the one that he kind of <laughs> messed up on a little bit. He That's make okay. he makes the rules, but doesn't have to follow them. <laughs> well, it's his it's his land, so I guess sure. he gets a free freebie there. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. All right, if you're if you're going hunting, do you would you rather would you prefer or would you rather hunt natural forage like acorns or would you rather hunt a pinch point? Man, it depends on the year. What what time of the year are you talking? Um, let's say, oh, good question. October thirtieth. I'm hunting that pinch point. All right. What if it's uh, September thirtieth? I'm probably earlier. still setting acorns. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Varies throughout the year, but pinch yeah. point in, during the rut, I agree definitely. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, what if you're shed hunting? Would you rather shed hunt on food or bedding? Is there an option C for both? <laughs> nope, you got to pick one. Oh man, um, honestly, I'd probably do betting. I'd start. I'd probably. Man, that's such a tough question. <laughs> well, good. Um, man, I'd probably go. I'd probably be more excited about shed hunting betting. But I would. I would save betting for last. I'd. I'd hit the food first and then go betting after. Okay. If All that right. if that works, is that is that an okay? <laughs> yeah, answer? I'll let you slide this one time here. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. What about venison jerky or venison chili? Chili. And jerky what, hurts my teeth. Does it? <laughs> yeah. What about a hang on stand or a saddle? Oh man, I've never hunted out of a saddle. A hang on for sure. All right. Now I know you're a basketball guy. You played in uh, in high school and in college. Yeah. You got one guy to, to be on your team with you, LeBron or MJ? MJ all the way. <laughs> I agree with LeBron you. Isn't even, LeBron James is not even top five <laughs> in my book. All right. What about a drop-time buck or a velvet rack? Mm. Oh, man. I'd probably I'd probably go drop-time just because, you know, you could go to Kentucky or North Dakota shoot velvet all, all all day long and you know early season so i'd yep. go drop time right. actually my fun fact my first ever shed i don't even know how old i was seven eight my dad took me out shed hunting and kind of told me he's like hey we're looking for you know one of these i bet we weren't out there five minutes and i walked up on one and it had a three inch drop time on it wow. i think it i think overall seven points split split g2 and then he my dad took it to work, so some of his buddies and one guy dropped it, and it oh shoot. it kind of broke off all the tines, but the drop tine's still there, so it's it's still pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right, so you get one day to hunt next year, only one. Are you hunting a cold front on your home farm, or are you going out of state to hunt? Oh, I'm hunting. I'm hunting local here. All right. And if you want a specific day, there's two. It's either November 7th or November 11th. All right. Hey. That's where I've seen some giants. Those are great days. Both great days, man. All right, Jake. Well, thanks, man. It's been a pleasure talking to you. uh, I've learned a lot here just chatting with you. 
Um, really appreciate it. Good luck the rest of your season. I hope you guys can knock a couple more down. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, take it easy, man. Yeah, you too. Thanks.